This is the Integrative Entrepreneur Podcast, where it's not what you do, but how you do it. This is a podcast for entrepreneurs brought to you by entrepreneurs. We have been building a multi-million dollar healthcare business for over 10 years, and we have weaved together some of the best information for the people that are doing the best work in the business. This includes Dr. Martini, who is a master in human behavior, to Vern Harnish, who has created the methodologies of scaling up that has scaled many, many of the best businesses that we all know of. We want you to not only have a business that you love, but also a life that you love. Welcome, everyone. We are actually doing a podcast episode, and I have my good friend and colleague here, Dr. Brett Jones. Um, I know that he is very popular on the online space for the amazing work that he does in the world. But what people don't know is we were actually roommates being degenerates a couple years ago. (laughs) This is this this may be true. Yes. It was a very raw and real friendship that was created a very long time ago. And (laughs) it is actually amazing to see what he has created because literally I met you fresh into school and Uh, I knew you were going to be do big things. So it's like, it's pretty awesome to see what you've created. Back at you, sister. Back (laughs) at you. You met me as the the young, young and in a chiropractic school. My first, my first quarter. I I know. Get to be introduced to the Jersey craziness. <laughs> you but, know, uh, you you are the person who created the nickname for my dad, Big Dog, which is a side <laughs> story we're not even going to get into. But like, still to this day, that lives on. His yeah. name is Big Dog. So Big Dog. that's yeah. for another podcast, but yeah. we will go there one day. Right. But Brett has been doing some really amazing things. I've been watching from a distance because we don't live close, but. Uh, He has created the Source Chiropractic, which is now in various locations, and uh, he's made a pretty big move um, to create the Source in Tucson, and Mm. he also has an amazing platform. Uh, I I feel like I'm going to say it wrong. I was going to say Kairos. Okay. Mm. Um, And tell us more about that, because from what I understand, it's you're really taking a lot of chiropractors under your wing and training them to be the best of the best, right? That's basically it. Yeah, we um, we're like the the Navy SEALs, if you will, of chiropractic. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know that actually started as a student. Uh, their first launch was called the Justine Ninjas, and it was a little underground club that we did at Life West. And then you know I wasn't sure that it was going to continue when I left. I didn't know how much of it was about me being there versus how much it was about the training, and it grew when I left. So I realized that what we had created was, was something that um, needed to be shared, you know, to different schools. And so now I've gone and taught, I think we're at 13 different countries now and over 5,000 chiropractors and chiropractic students. And we have all kinds of training camps and um, no, it's just, it's such a blessing to help, to help, you know, guide and mentor uh, students in that way, because the truth of it is in chiropractic school, you you don't get uh, a lot of hands-on training. Uh, it's a lot of um, posology, if you will, you know, when you're going to learn these adjustments. So to, to work the training both on the chiropractic side, but to me even bigger, uh, why Kairos is what it is, is how we train the mental, emotional, and spiritual pieces. 
um, through a variety of movement, breath work, meditation, and breakthrough experiences. And um, one thing that I've learned um, is that if you want to be a great chiropractor, be a great person. Uh, Hell being, to the yeah. <laughs> being a great person goes a long fucking way. And, uh, yeah, good. I want to be around good people. And so, you know, that has to be has to be worked and trained and we have to heal ourselves continuously because what we do uh, requires holding deep space for people. Yeah. And being and being clear and clear and certain in, 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 in who we are because we are um, cut of a different cloth, if you will. You know? <laughs> we, we don't follow the mainstream. Um, we take health into our own hands. And I think that's you know, a lot about what this uh, podcast is going to be about is what is mind body sovereignty? Is it worth fighting for? And where do we find some of the greatest expressions of health in humanity? Um, so yeah, I'm excited to get into it. Yeah. I think what you're saying is, is so massive because, you know, one of the things that I teach in the Institute is just, you know, comfort is is the death of everything. And Mm -hmm. if you are not continually growing yourself, growing your business, then, you know, you are, are stagnant and it's really something that doesn't allow you to fulfill that purpose or be lit up every day. And, you know, we're, we're currently living in a model that we're being stripped of critical thinking and using common sense. Common sense is not so common anymore. And, you know, I know that one of the biggest things that we teach at integrative wellness group is getting people to think outside the box. And I love when I have a conversation with someone and they're like, wow, that really makes sense but it's pretty much the polar opposite of what they've been told about their health or their mindset or how their mind affects their health. And, you know, it's really part of our job is, is retraining and and deprogramming the programming. And, you know, this is something that I, I'm, I'm so excited to kind of like bring both perspectives to the table, because I think that based on how we've been, you know, practicing in different endeavors is, we're both experiencing it, but in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you said a few things that, that resonate with me is, um, one is the, the path of continual evolution and growth. And in that path of continual evolution and growth, it is often uncomfortable, but it is possible to become as familiar with the uncomfortable as you are with the comfortable many avoid the uncomfortable due to unfamiliarity, which then brings a fear. Um, and this can also be communicated as the shadow side of ourself, right? The light is what we know, right? In, in the light, there is gnosis. In the light, there is an objective experience. In the darkness is what we don't know. But the greater our light, the bigger the shadow, um, which means that we find out that we don't know a lot, you know, and that's actually, (laughs) (laughs) that's actually the educative journey of why I even chose to be a chiropractor in the first place. You know, I go to undergrad, I'm studying exercise science and sports management, learning about the body. And at the time really about how to be bigger, faster, stronger for football. But I kept realizing the more I studied human anatomy, the more I studied physiology, uh, the more I studied kinesiology, the more I didn't know anything. I knew I didn't know anything. And I was like, I want to keep going. And so um, I let the unknown be an, be a source of inspiration, mm-hmm. um, whereas many let the, the unknown be something that they need to fucking label 
put it in a box so that they don't have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And what you end up with then is if you constantly are unwilling to deal with the unknown one, you're going to, you're going to experience stasis, which means you're not growing, you're not moving, you're not adapting. And in stasis is the cause of disease, but we can get into that later. But also um, you're going to start to end up with a very, very limited perspective of life often dictated by other because you won't question things because in the questioning, you have to experience the unknown of the answer that you're not aware of. You have to be able to discern a variety of opinions, perspectives, and data. And most people don't want to do it. And that's why I I'm like feel this. I'm like, yeah, right now. <laughs> Well, I mean, it's coming in, you know, when, when two or more gather, right? So it's, it's coming in because, uh, you know, I, I, you know, these are some of the thoughts that I have, but they don't always have an opportunity to, to express. So I'm, I'm grateful to be on this podcast. I'm grateful to be with you because um, I, I do operate as a channel uh, mostly when, when teaching. And so um, this is, this is good because there's new information coming through, but um, yeah. Uh, and this is why I think, a lot of people end up getting labeled the quote unquote sheep, which I'm not a fan of, of giving a name personally, um, because I feel like then that's kind of a similar thing of I'm putting a label on this person. Now I don't have to deal with them. And I just associate all of these ideas with what I think that is versus I can notice a behavior. I'm noticing a behavior. I'm questioning on whether or not that behavior is healthy, whether or not that behavior is empowering. Um, and then holding space, hopefully for that person or people to, to find a different perspective. But yeah, I think a lot of this has to do, um, which again, I'm happy to dialogue this, but, um, Western civilization, especially, um, is very, very afraid of the shadow, very afraid of darkness. And this is something that has been, um, taught, you know, with, with colonization, um, a lot of practices that existed in indigenous cultures, um, whether it be shamanic practices or other practices in forms of spirituality, were immediately casted out as evil, um, were considered demonic, uh, were considered to be not of God and of a certain, again, light. But what I've, you know, what I've personally found is that those tough experiences where we really go within to the, the deeper um, psyche of our own mind, of our own beingness and question it. Mm -hmm. Why is this here? Why do I feel this way? Mm -hmm. What is my needs or what are my unmet needs? Did this come from someone else? Yeah. Is this a form of repeated trauma? Is this down an ancestral line? Is this me getting vision of something in the future? Like those deeper questions, although may be painful, although may can, uh, create momentary chaos in our life, usually lead, especially with guidance, usually lead to a greater awakening of self to a, a greater capacity to heal, to grow, to live. But it's often that work that gets neglected um, massively because of fear of the unknown. 
Well, it's interesting with what you were saying about, um, you know, comfort and, and fear around, uh, around that. But one of my absolute favorite quotes is that everything you need is outside of your comfort zone and mm. people will fight like hell to stay in their comfort zone. And it's just like interesting because I just remember, you know, back in the day, even as a, a literally a child, and I don't know where it came from. And, and I don't know if it was just my inner self was, or my inner voice was just so loud that I couldn't even ignore it. But I remember even just being in like elementary school and, oh, you have to have a pass, go to the bathroom. Like why? Like always like challenging. Like that doesn't make any sense. Like I, it's a natural thing that I have to do. Why can't I just go? And it was just such a lack of trust with children. And it was like, no, you have to walk in this line and do this. And you only have 10 minutes. And it was just always questioning, questioning, questioning but then you get in trouble or, you know, you get told don't question and your friends are even like, why are you questioning it? And it kind of like dims that. And then, you know, but it's always there and you have to make a choice, I think, to listen to it. And you have to make a choice to get out of that comfort zone. And you have to make a choice to know that it is okay to be different. It is okay to think differently. And if you think differently, there are going to be people that give you pushback, but there is going to be a boatload of people that you inspire at the same time. Mm. And as long as you are truly in integrity with that, like I remember getting out of school and wanting to shout from the rooftops, everything that we learned and how the food industry is corrupt and how there's so much wrong with what we've been programmed as being, you know, quality medicine. And I found there was a lot of pushback, but when I truly was like, you know what, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it. And I'm going to embody this because this is my values and this is my belief system. And I'm okay with being different. And you can tell me I'm weird for doing this or doing that, or the food I put out at my get togethers, I could give two shits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But what I found was that people started being like, wow, you and Nick are really happy. And wow, you guys don't really like fight a lot. And wow, you guys seem like you always have energy. And you guys really seem like you're clear on your business. And they started connecting the dots that it wasn't just about, you know, our mindset. It it, it was about everything we did and embraced and how we were committed to thinking outside the box and growing and being okay with sometimes being wrong or sometimes not being accepted. And people started to get inspired by that. And that was really just such an aha moment for me is that it's, it, it really just showed me it's about being okay with the uncomfortable, but also knowing that it's not for everyone. And some people are going to be extremely inspired and others are not. And that's mm-hmm. totally fine. I'm cool with that. But those are not necessarily the people that I want to spend my time with. Yeah. And it is, uh, there's a huge fear of criticism, I think, is one of the big ones that keeps most people out of action. Mm-hmm. Because, right, you said, because we all have this call in our own individuality. And, of course, you have, you know, the different, different uh, astrological signs and the Enneagram and life by design. There's all these different things that can show you some patterns 
of potential behavior. I imagine you're a challenger as, as I, as I am um, <laughs> in many ways. And so I'm, I've also been a, the, the kid that questioned everything. I'm the one that questioned everything in chiropractic school too. And that's what led to the, the greatness, if you will, mm-hmm. because I questioned everything, like for simple, like a simple leg check. Um, so in, for those unfamiliar in chiropractic, you have, you know, a prone leg check. So somebody that's laying down on the table, you can check the length of their legs. And then they have a, a test where you bring those legs up. And if one of the legs goes short, then that's supposed to be a certain listing, uh, for the pelvis, right? A certain <laughs> subluxation. And I would say, why? <laughs> Me they, too. <laughs> but the truth is like, they didn't really have any good answers. Yeah. And so I, because of asking the why, I was able to start to pick out the holes in every technique because guess what? They're in every technique. Everything. But uh, everything in life. Exactly. And, and that's, that's what I'm trying to say. Everything in life, these, these ideas, these perspectives, these philosophies on life, they all have their benefits and, and drawbacks. <laughs> they all have their liabilities and drawbacks and they all have their holes. And so we get better through a collective of perspectives and ideas that challenge the system and then try to adapt and make it better. Yeah. Right. And so every time, but again, there's this whole process of every time you bring out a new idea, the immediate is to judge it and then ridicule it, mm-hmm. potentially shame it, try to discredit it. But if it continues to last and it continues to persevere, Mm-hmm. And then it continues to show results. Mm-hmm. Now we have something that can continue to play. And, um, you know, I've experienced that in, in my businesses. Um, I've experienced that in my, my philosophy of life. I've experienced that in my pursuit in health. And um, I think, you know, one of the bigger conversations that we want to get in here is right now there's a play being made. Mm-hmm. that is moving towards control control and completely ridding humanity from individual thought. And most people don't even see it yet. And shaming the people that are thinking outside the box that are saying, I don't want to be part of an experiment right now because there are no studies on the vaccine. And in one breath, we're saying that the COVID uh, virus is completely, uh, you know, people can recover from it and it has a very low mortality rate. And then other, you know, media is like, there's people dying left and right. So we have to be able to take away this idea of black and white. And I tell people all the time is you want to think that medicine is black and white. I cannot begin to tell you how much freaking gray that there is and Mm. how much of medicine is opinionated and subjective. You think that your doctor is giving you the best recommendation. They're giving you the recommendation of the medication that they saw work with the one other person who had your symptoms. And then when it doesn't work, they're like, "Mm, well, I saw this one other medication that worked, you know, this with this other person that kind of sounds like you. So we'll try that one. They're, they're literally throwing shit at a wall. Like there is no specificity. There is, there is lack of science. And I am so sick of people saying, do you believe in science? I'm like, tell me what science is valid other than the doctors that are living and breathing and seeing the real life cases that all are gray. They're not black and white. They're not the textbook. So 
we need to stop thinking that there is valid science because guess what? All the science is funded for money. It is funded by pharma, which is for profit. And if you think that there is any level of a lie in that, like do the research yourself, because that is the reality of what we are working with. So when I started going to conferences for the functional medicine, I stopped going to certain conferences because I'm like, if you talk about evidence-based research one more time by a company that funded it to pretty much push that their drug worked for a certain condition, like, I don't want to hear it. I want to hear it from the people that are living and breathing the real life, very difficult, complex clinical situations. Yep, exactly. Exactly. It's not black and white people. And it is very, very subjective. Science itself, right, is a continual discovery. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. How many, how many things that we thought within science 10 years ago mm-hmm. is not even close anymore? And how quickly is that process evolving with the aids of the new technology? Mm-hmm. So, you know, a, a, an understanding that might have taken 50 years is taking closer to five years now. Mm-hmm. And then as that continues, it's an exponential process. Mm-hmm. So, one is people are communicating, they've, they've confused the word science with medicine, and that's not the same. Um, and they've also confused science as being something concrete, which then goes back to <laughs> there's a fear of the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the biggest fears that we're all dealing with. And because you see this happening with the fear of death as well. So many people, right, have been you could say programmed um, or, or grown up in a paradigm or perspective of um, fearing death. And, and in the fear of death, you re- relinquish the right to live. Mm-hmm. And the wrong, to me, the wrong questions are being asked. Right now, the question that's being asked is how do we save the most lives? I would challenge that with how do we live the most life? (laughs) Because what can happen, right? Because a lot of people, again, are are just, I just haven't, haven't become aware of even understanding statistics. Meaning that um, if you actually look at the death rates, right? of 2020 versus 2019 versus 2018 versus 2017 versus 2016, there, I believe there's been an increase right, in, in deaths throughout the years of like, I mean, it's, it's either 0.8 or 0.08. And 2020 just followed the same thing. If you actually look at excess deaths, right, that excess death number is really low. And, in, and if you're judging a pandemic on a, a novel virus, which would be a new disease coming into community, to me, the most important number to be aware of would be the excess deaths. Because your people are, are, are shouting, oh my God, 500,000 deaths in America, yet we had this miraculous decrease in influenza Blue. deaths. Yep. We had this miraculous decrease in pneumonia deaths. Pneumonia deaths. Then, then we had all these misassociations of people dying with COVID versus due to COVID, um, you know, and then also then you get to the PCR test, blah, 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 whatever, doesn't matter. But um, unfortunately what's happening, right, is, and then all these tiered systems that get created out of nothing, um, 
based on based on no no historical significance at all. I mean, these tiered systems of lockdown, da, 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 da. but I think what people understand is the carrot can keep moving. Meaning that if your biggest concern is with the potential loss of life, and right now it seems like people don't really care about loss of life due to cardiovascular disease. Seems like they don't care about loss of life due to cancer. Seems like they don't care about loss of life, you know, due to all of the other fucking things that can happen, but they're really concerned about the virus. Um, so if your main concern is loss of life due to virus, you can make moves, right? That can potentially limit viral transmission. Yeah. To nearly whatever number you want. Yeah. And my question is this, at that point, what type of life are you living? Yeah. We are here with the freedoms and the rights that we have because at some point people said this type of life is worth dying for. We're missing the point. What type of life do we want to protect? What type of life are we worth dying for? Because you can continue to, to completely try to uh, rid the world of every bacteria and virus. I ask, what does life look like when you are doing that? Is everybody walking around in hazmat suits? And do we just never leave our home and we only get our education and have interaction through a screen that then can be monitored and tracked and da, da, da. And so if, what type of life do you want to live? I know because it wasn't that long ago that I enjoy social interaction. I know that's a basic human need. I study energy as well. I understand that there's an electromagnetic field that radiates off the body. And part of our evolution comes from interaction with other electromagnetic fields. Which isn't is more powerful than anything else. More powerful than anything else. And it isn't interesting that the heart's electromagnetic field, which has the largest electromagnetic field out of any organ, is four to six feet. Yeah. How far have they been telling you to keep distance from people? So you're not getting any of those energetic evolutionary upgrades from being in community, from being in proximity and what you're going to see. And it's already happening. And that data is already there. If you're willing to look at it, is you're seeing mental health issues skyrocket. And we are only on the brink of it. If you haven't seen what's happening to the kids in the schools, no social interaction, keeping their distance, six feet away, plexiglass, you know, like it's, it's, it's insane that children at the age of two now are being masked and distanced when they have near zero risk of this virus. And they're having a hard time showing that they're, they're increasing the transmission. Not only this, I just saw on the news feed that they just approved the Moderna vaccine, which is not a vaccine, it's gene therapy. They just approved it for, uh, for a trial for kids as young as six months old. When ideally, if you're going to vaccinate or you're going to undergo experimental gene therapy, you- Experimental the vaccine, is the key word, people, experimental. 
you'd more than likely want to be one of the ones that are even at risk of the disease. Why would you undergo a medical process when you have almost zero, zero, zero point zero 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 one fucking percent of having even illness? Yeah. You're going to go undergo an experimental gene therapy and they have no choice. Yeah. And um, yeah, so, you know, <laughs> wrapping back around this, this thread here is the main question. I believe that we all need to be asking is what type of life do I want to live? What type of life is it worth dying for? And sometimes that will happen through exposure to you fucking name it. And sometimes it will happen through natural process. Sometimes it will happen through war and through battle. But we got to where we are at based on our previous generation's ability to choose that they were, they were willing to die for us to have the life that we have now. And now we have so many people that are scared of death that they're not living and they're relinquishing everything their, their forefathers and their foremothers and uh, have fought for to create. And um, it's very sad, it's yeah. sad. It is. And, you know, even like speaking on behalf of some of these aspects that I want to kind of just shed a little bit more light on um, when it comes to virus transmission and exposures, like so much of what is out there. I remember when this all first started and people were talking about coronavirus and I was like, yeah, who cares? And, and I, and they were like, what? And I'm like, I see coronavirus all the time in testing that I do. I see lots of viruses all the time. Like, but I don't, I'm confused. What's the big deal? And they're like, and then it started blowing up and blowing up. And I was like, oh, this is becoming a thing. And, you know, one of my colleagues, we were having a conversation and he said something that just was so relevant. He's like, yeah, imagine if we just started swabbing people for anything and everything imagine the, the, the 30 million pandemics we would have, you know, start swabbing people for strep. 90% of people that I work with have strep in their bodies, even if yep. they're two years old, if they're 60 years old, Epstein-Barr virus, 99% of the patients I work with have Epstein-Barr virus in their system. I would say on average, the people that I work with, and I work with all different people, I'm not working with chronically ill people only, they all have four viruses or more in their body. And what we need to understand is that we are more viral matter than we are anything else as the human body. Mm. And one thing that Zach Bush said, which was such a pivotal moment in my career is when you get into the functional medicine world, you know, you start doing testing and you find infections, you find parasites and you find bacteria and you find viruses. And there's a lot of teachings out there is kill it kill those infections so that you can, you know, create more homeostasis or a healthier body. And what he said was viruses, parasites, bacteria have been around for thousands upon thousands of years, probably way longer. They're like there, it's been around longer than humans. Yep. So if we think we're going to fight and we're going to win, you're wrong. Wrong. And I just was like, you're a hundred percent right. Because what I'm doing, what I was doing at that current moment with my patients wasn't working was 
focused on kill the bad guys, the quote unquote bad guys. And some people had improvements and there was a lot of people that didn't. And that was the evolution of my mind as a practitioner of asking better questions of what do I not know? And it comes down to the energetic system and it comes down to human interaction and being able to connect and have quality conversations and interaction and being able to feel that you are making an impact by helping others or growing something. And all of those things probably matter more than anything else. When you have an individual who's chronically ill and you start to help them to work through trauma or to change their, their life so that they have more conversation or they have more interaction or they create relationships that fulfill them, they radically heal. Mm. And it's not because of the magic drug or the magic surgery. Those things are so much more impactful than anything else. And honestly, the individuals that were not willing to explore that aspect of healing that they were like, I don't even know what I would do if I healed tomorrow. I don't know what my life would look like if I had no symptoms. I'm like, well, you don't have a goal to work towards. And you're also not changing your day-to-day behaviors. So I'm sorry, there is no magical supplement protocol, medical protocol, or dietary protocol that's going to change those other elements. Mm -hmm. And when you see the people that are committed to that and they make those steps, they need little to, to any intervention because they're, they're doing the foundational work. They're doing the deeper work. And that is just something that is so massively huge for people to understand. And this is why Dr. Nick got into the Demartini method. I know you know Dr. Demartini, but there would be times that I would be doing like a timeline. I'm like, it's, an interest, it's interesting that all of your symptoms started right when your mom passed away or right when you got divorced. And it was, I'm not saying it was the only thing, but it was the straw that broke the camel's back that allowed all of the inflammation to happen or all of the symptoms to really come to the surface. So if we want to ignore the elephant in the room, we're not truly helping the person. And our society is moving towards isolation, fear of other people, fear of viruses. Listen, if you have a fear of a virus, you need, it's probably because you have zero idea of where your health is at and, mm-hmm. or you don't want to know where your health is at. Right. So that's a shitty place to live because you're completely disempowered. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of having better information so that you can actually do something about it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I know that you're practicing different things that I'm even practicing, but there is bioenergetic therapies. There are biomeridian therapies. There are, there's shamanic work. There's energy work. There's, there's human behavior work. There is, you know, there are so many things out there that are modalities that are not the common belief that maybe are weird or woo woo or because they're alternative, but guess what people, those are the ones that work. And there are so many things you could do. It's always been that way. Medicine didn't be, that it's actually superior in actually helping people with their health. And I think that's, that's, that's what people- it's a misconception. Also, that's a big misperception. So I think the, the current belief or perception is that medicine is a superior in regards to health because it seems to be the most prominent and there's the most medical doctors. Medicine has the most potential for making money, so it has the best marketing. Mm-hmm. That's, that's 
pure and simple, the number one reason that people perceive it to be number one in health and an emphasis on perceive it to be number one in health. Now, when it comes to um, treatment of a symptom, there are some effective, you know, pharmaceuticals that are effective at treating certain symptom. Um, but treating of a symptom does not mean healing. Treating of a symptom does not mean health. So is it possible that I could have a symptom, right? And then have that symptom treated, but I'm still sick. <laughs> Absolutely. hundred percent of the time. Um, because sickness is not based on your expression of a symptom. It, 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 sick, sickness, we really should view it as more of what is your susceptibility to, sex, to, to, to expressing uh, symptoms that are non-favorable. Um, and so with that, uh, we have to realize that often um, the, the healing gets neglected. So what is healing? Healing is revealing your already wholeness and healing is going to be mind, right? Body, spirit. Um, this is your, your emotions. It's everything. It's the depths of who you are. In healing, something that can be experienced is often the exacerbation of a symptom, the increase of a symptom. Um, going from the energy perspective, uh, you, you talked about a few different situations with, you know, potentially the passing of a mom or a bad breakup or a traumatic experience. And then we start to see like, these like these list of, of, of symptomatic, uh, symptomatic events and episodes and, and creations. And you say, well, why is that? Well, that has an energetic signature, right? And everything that we've feel and experienced in the 3D, in our environment, um, really is in our field. And it stays with us. It's like a, it's a snapshot and it gets imprinted on this, this hologram. And so often we need to feel it fully to heal it. Yeah. And yet so much of, of Western medicine is in the numbing of symptoms, in the miseducation, in the misinformation, such as making bacteria and viruses a bad guy. When most, again, most people just, just don't have the awareness that you are more bacteria and more virus than you are quote unquote human. This is something that we've been interacting with. This is something that is archaic. This is something that again, predates the, the human biology and um, life and health is better when we understand how to adapt and interact with our environment, instead of kill and destroy and numb and remove, um, we start missing the point because then we just wait for the next thing that we need to target. And, uh, and, I, and that's again, another dangerous path going back to, to mind body sovereignty, the dangerous path of acceptance that if you are willing to accept, Experimental gene therapy, that's what it is. You can look it up. Um, look up Moderna mRNA, right, um, therapy. It's, it's a gene therapy. That's, that's the actual definition that it was given within, I think, when they registered to even be part of the, I don't know, it was FDA or something else, but it's a gene therapy, again, identifying as a, as a vaccine. But if you are willing to undergo the experimental gene therapy, 
for a virus based on your specific age group or based on your specific health, um, that your chances of surviving are 99.97% or higher in interaction with it. What other thing are you now agreeing to that's coming next? Because there's always going to be, right, a variant, which we already are very aware of. This is this natural shit. People are still talking about a cold virus from 2019, which is sad. Because again, the natural evolution of, of all viruses is they adapt. Um, and mutate every 10 hours. And so here we are trying to, again, it, it's, it's, it, yeah, I don't know, it's, it's even difficult to even talk about um, in some ways just because, um, well, I don't know. It's just, it, it's because to me, it's like, it's all right there. It is. For those that are wanting to look at it. But I think it's an, it's an unfortunate that uh, people have, have chosen to remain ignorant in it um, and have chosen to relinquish powers to people like CDC um, and, and I don't even say the name. You already know what I was going to say. Um, and and these these vaccine companies, by the way, Moderna has never produced any product for the public ever. This is their first one. They have no track record. Pfizer one of the most corrupt and criminal corporations that exist in the world. Johnson and Johnson, not much better. <laughs> and you're willing to allow their product that is, that is inadequately tested to be injected or whatever they're going to, however they're going to fucking administer it now uh, into your bloodstream without, you know, without a knowing of what's going to happen. And but also uh, ignoring what is, is being presented because people are unaware that there is a vaccine adverse reaction database. And it's actually not even that easy to navigate. Um, and when you're actually looking at that, there are thousands upon thousands, potentially even more, because I haven't looked at it for a few days, of cases of uh, people going into cardiac arrest after, you know, the vaccine. So if this is not our opinion, this is not anything of the sorts, like this is the data is there. And when you're actually you can literally Google or Wikipedia, some of the specific items that are on the package insert of Moderna and AstraZeneca. And one of the things that is present in the vaccine is the MRC five MRC five is the human diploid lung cells from a 14 week old male Caucasian aborted fetus. So for those of you that are religious, that are against abortion, you are now injecting aborted fetal cells into your system. You also have to understand is that you are putting, well, not only are you putting foreign DNA from those cells into your body, but you're also putting genetically modified ingredients in your body. In addition to the vaccines are classified as recombinant. Recombinant means that that is a genetic hodgepodge that is completely foreign to the body as well as foreign to the immune system's ability to recognize it as something to create an antigen against. So like Brett is saying is this is, this is a gene therapy. It's compromising how your, the messaging to your DNA that pretty much says, hey, brain cells talk to each other. Hey, liver cells talk to each other. It's completely negating how those signals work. 
So this is why you're not going to see the same symptoms. You're going to see some individuals that have neurological side effects, some individuals that have liver failure, some individuals that go into cardiac arrest. It's not going to look the same across the board because it depends on the susceptibilities of the person. And it also depends on the, the current ecosystem of that person. Mm-hmm. So we're really playing with fire as we are, you know, putting this in to people that are are, re- are already unfortunately toxic Sick. because of the world we live in. Sick. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, the, the piece here, and then I think is a misperception is that these companies do not get started for the health of the people. Right. Moderna, Moderna is in this for the money, y'all. And what a better, I mean, if, if it is, you know, yeah, if you're talking about just pure profits, the vaccine industry makes a lot of fucking sense. They have zero risk. And that's what people don't understand, right? You can't sue a vaccine company due to identification. And so what happens is any of these adverse events that happen with these products, they're they hands go, off. They get paid out. And they get paid out by who? They get paid out by you. They get paid out by the taxpayer, right? And it's, it's just, it's sad, right? That you have companies that have profit first interest that are able to massively distribute product utilizing governmental resources, right? Because um, again, a lot of these things aren't even being paid by, by the consumer. They're being paid by the consumer through the government, through their taxes. What and people so, don't understand either though, is that there is a separate judicial system for right. adverse reactions from, from vaccines. Like if there are no such thing as adverse reactions from vaccines or no deaths associated with vaccines, why do we have a separate court system for it? Right. Billions of dollars every year, right? Billions of dollars every year go to adverse event uh, payouts. And only one, it's estimated that only 1% of people actually report the adverse events. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so, but the, the larger problem here, right, um, that we are all going to be going through and, and, and dealing with in our own way is this move that's being made, right? for what Orwell called groupthink. Um, right now, there's this, there's this uh, moving thought form, if you will, that is wanting everyone to think the same. And that's why you're, you're seeing the censorship. That's why you're seeing um, the aggressiveness of the cancel culture, because it's basically taking things that, that are always part of human nature, right? Just natural criticism for thinking differently um, to new extremes um, where people will rally and try to ruin people's lives for just having a different thought, that jobs are being lost for having a different thought, that we're wanting to get rid of history that had a different thought process um, instead of learning from it allowing it to be, to continue to challenge a system. That way we can continue to evolve in a way that um, is a collective, uh, a, a sovereign collective, which is very interesting to think about. But you're, what you're thinking about is, is the whole, but each independently creating the whole um, in its ideas versus really one major dominant thought form that controls the whole. That's currently the flip that's being attempted. And um, if you lose mental sovereignty, which is the ability to think for yourself, 
and express those thoughts, you are also going to lose body sovereignty. I'll say it again. If you lose mental sovereignty and the ability to think for yourself and express those thoughts, you will also lose body sovereignty, which means that if you can't think for yourself how to take care of your body, someone else will quote unquote, take care of your body. Take care. So to me, that's very fucking dangerous. And then I also don't, I don't even think it's just dangerous. I think we then lose out on what it means to be human. Yeah. yeah. Right. For me, like the greatest expressions of human, because human, right, is currently in a third dimensional reality that has time and space, that has personal identification. Moving into spirit level or the fifth dimension in the all consciousness, there is no other. If you value the human experience with having your own sets of emotions and experiences that are high, that are low, that are grand, that are small, that are, um, that can create families and, and have freedom of choice and freedom of thought and to go here and to go there. And if you enjoy that human experience, you have to fight for it. Yeah. And I think it's people need to get out of this mindset that it's going to come from the above that, you know, this is going to end. And then all of a sudden someone's going to say, this is going to go back to normal or life will go back to normal is that, you know, I think that the biggest goal of this podcast is to understand that it starts with us and it's really going to be the people rising up and being able to think for themselves and being able to ask better questions and being able to potentially inspire others around them that are open. Not everyone is open and we do need to understand that. We kind of need to know where to put the energy when it comes to the fight because there's just some people that are just in the mindset that they're not open and, and that's their life. But there are many people, and I, and I know this for a fact, there are so many people that are just cowering inside because they, they want to say something. They feel like something is wrong. They feel that the world is going in a bad direction. They feel that they're getting their rights ripped away, but they're they are not saying it because of the fear of what people are going to say around them. But there's so many others that are thinking and feeling the same way. And I think it's a matter of just empowering each other to be able to have open, honest, and non-judgmental conversations. And it's just understanding that everyone grew up differently. Everyone has a different set of values and a different set of beliefs. And there are a lot of people that are like, I don't want to be forced to do a vaccine, but I, you know, I think that they work, but this is weird that it's being pushed on me and I could potentially lose my job if I don't do it. Like people are starting to ask these questions. Like this doesn't make sense, but being able to have conversations without judging, like, how dare you think that way? Or how dare you do that? Because there are a lot of people that are just searching for answers and they're searching to see what can we do as a collective to push things in the right direction or 
or push things in a direction that we can maintain our mental sovereignty and our health and be able to hug our relatives and our loved ones and be able to regain connection and community because these are the things that really allow us to thrive and be healthy. Um, as you get into quantum physics and the application of quantum physics and how that works with the quantum philosophy, um, you might understand this a little bit better, but I think, I think most people can get it anyway. There is a variety currently of perspectives and of paradigms. To me, the number one question I like to ask myself in any given situation, what is the most empowering perspective I can choose here? So you named the incident. So right now we've been talking a lot about you know, the, the quote unquote pandemic. And um, in this, there is a perspective, right? And some would say a dominant perspective that viruses are dangerous and they need to be abolished. I mean, they need, they need to be destroyed, right? There's also, and then if that is my perspective, then what, what does my life look and feel like? Well, in that perspective, I'm going to be in a lot of fear until somebody else, right, potentially creates what is needed for the next virus that will either create restrictions in regards to me not interacting with that virus by means of masking, distance, blah, 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 you name it. Or somebody else creates a therapy for it, or somebody else creates a, a, a gene therapy or a vaccine or whatever that might protect me from future interaction. Right? That's one perspective of life you can choose. That is one. To me, it's disempowering. I don't choose that one. A more empowering perspective for me is viruses are something that have always been here and they're always going to be here. I want to see how can I train and adapt my body to greater levels of health so that I can interact with viruses naturally and be healthy. 100%. That is my perspective that I choose because I feel more empowered because there's something that I can do, right? Um, and then again, that's, that, that goes with everything in life. No matter what problem comes your way, what challenge comes your way, or what blessing and gift comes your way, what's the most empowering perspective I could have here? Because life can always be happening to you, or it can be happening for you. And so we can choose to view things differently. And all it takes is that little perspective shift. And all of a sudden, you're back in your power. You're back in your purpose. And so that's my challenge to humanity and whoever's listening to this uh, here is when it comes to your life, right? One, what are you willing to die for? And what is the most empowering perspective you could hold? Yeah, I think what you said is huge. It's being proactive and not reactive. Um, this really goes against the grain from what a lot of us been been told because it's the mindset of don't fix it until it's broke. Um, you know, for those of you, especially that are listening, that are looking for resources is even knowing, you know, integrative wellness group exists, the source chiropractic exists, because 
we are individuals that are, you know, we're really helping in, uh, other people to be proactive in their health. And it's just a matter of having information because you don't know what you don't know. And we really hope that this was empowering for a lot of you. And we hope this really opened the conversation for you know, yourself and, and for you to open the conversation with others, because I know that a lot of people are struggling with what's happening in the world and really not knowing what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, there's a lot more information, obviously, we could provide when it comes to, you know, the vaccine, the virus, etc. But I think the most important thing is critically thinking and thinking for yourself and not necessarily taking what is being fed to us as being the, the black and white science because it's not and it's a matter of us rising up and asking better questions and it's really doing it for us but it's doing for our families as well yep future generations they need us Mm -hmm. well thank you guys for being here thank you dr brett this was awesome and we'll hopefully have some more fun podcasts coming in the future you've reached the end of another episode of the integrative entrepreneur podcast connect with us at integrativegrowthinstitute.com Don't forget to sign up to our newsletter to receive our free materials. See you at the next episode. If you love today's episode of Integrative Entrepreneur Podcast, please head over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you.